0: For those of you who don't know, my name is Eunice, and I serve as the campus director of this ministry, and I want to start off with a question. So, um, how many of you guys have heard of what detoxing is? Anybody? You know, like when you go through diets or something, and you're literally getting waste and things like that? Um, has anyone ever done it before? Yeah? So. I I think there's, like, certain types of detoxing, but for me personally, um, I did one with just, like, straight-up fruits and vegetables, and uh, it was for four days. Uh, It was probably one of the hard... I think it was even harder than fasting, in my opinion, because I love meat, and it's something that... I can't, you know, let go of, but I mean, I guess detox, and the reason why I did it was because there's so much junk in my body that I couldn't, like, take it anymore, and so I was like, okay, that's it, I'm just gonna go detox and get rid of waste, and there's something about that feeling of getting rid of waste that is just so satisfying, and um, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I hate filth, like, I can't stand it when, like, anything that's dirty, uh, you can ask Sarah, who used to live with me last semester, like, Every time we throw out the food trash, every time we throw out just the trash in general, like, I know we have to do it, but I, I legitimately get disgusted when I do it. But I know I have to do it, right? Because it's accumulating and it's piling up and things like that. And so, like, but the reason why I do it is because I love the feeling of having trash piled up for, like, weeks and then just throwing it all out, like, massive amounts out. And, like, when I come in, like, it is one of the best feelings to come into your apartment and just to have, like, just a clean, empty trash bin. Are you guys feeling today? Yeah. Am I the only one feeling this way? It's such a practical joy, but it's something that I really, really like. And today I kind of want us to treat that kind of like as our hearts. And uh, today we're going to do a lot of spiritual detoxing of waste that you would know as idols. Okay. We're going to talk about idols today. It's going to get really personal. Uh, So if you are, if you have your Bibles, if you guys could turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. And if you're taking notes, the title of this sermon is Just Lay It All Down. Yeah, the title is Just Lay It All Down. And I'm going to read to you uh, when you guys are ready. Okay. I'm going to read it. Okay. Exodus 20 verses it's two through six. Actually, it goes, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. All right. Amen. Uh, I want you guys to just bow as I pray. Father, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you, God, that every single student that's supposed to be here is here. And Father, I just remove all distraction, all sleepiness, all heaviness in the name of Jesus. And God, I just thank you that hearts are ready to hear your word, that hearts are excited to hear your word, God. And I just believe, Lord God, if there's any sluggish spirit, I just pray for this cold water revelation to just splash on their faces. And God, I just pray for alertness throughout this entire word. And God, I just, I believe that people are going to get set free today and so father we just thank you for today and we just yeah pray for a powerful word that you're about to bring tonight we pray all these things in your name amen all right yes um yeah okay so i looked up idolatry and uh, dictionary.com says an image of a deity other than god So I wanted more explanations, so I actually looked up more web resources, and something that really stuck out to me was was a definition that said, an idol is anything or anybody that gets what God alone deserves, okay? That, I'm going to say it again. An idol is anything or anybody that God alone deserves, okay, that gets what God alone deserves, Okay. And before you turn your brains off and you're like, okay, for me personally, when I think idol, uh, I'm thinking the golden calf. Like I'm thinking like these physical idols in the Bible that, you know, people bow down to physically, but that's not the kind of Idolatry that I want to cover today, and in fact, the kind of idolatry that many people aren't really aware of are not the physical idols that we know back in the biblical times, but it's actually a modern form of idolatry that's more subtle, that actually resonates in our hearts, but we're not even aware of this. And so I'm going to point this out for you today. And these are the very things that we're going to detox tonight. All right, you all ready to get set free tonight? We're going to get all get set free. I'm going to get set free. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Uh, Something that, yeah, so as, like I said before, they're physical idols that we bow down to, but they're also modern f- forms of idolatry. And these generally are the things that are intangible, such as addiction, it could be anywhere from money, materialism, sex, it could be even good things like romantic relationships, it could be your family, hobbies, goals, dreams, outer appearance, people, and especially yourself. That is actually going to be the idol that... Uh, I'm going to tackle on a little bit later. Okay? And, like, don't get me wrong, guys. Like, passions and desires and things like that, that's good. That's, it's okay to love on those, and it's okay to steward those things. But it becomes a problem when these become the sole thing that we only give ear to. And if these take the very places that are in our hearts that God is supposed to take, then that becomes a problem. Okay? And so... And it starts to get serious when we start depending on these things to provide for our needs and our wants and to fill our desires when it really should be God doing those very things. And so the question that I want to ask is, are you putting your trust in certain people? Are you putting your trust in certain desires, in certain things, whatever it is? Are you putting the uh, trust more on these things than you are putting trust in God? And this is something I really had to ask myself as well. Like, whose words do I value the most? Um... Where do I put my highest trust to? Like, you know, who do I seek first? Like, is it really God? And um, something that, this was like about three years ago, uh, I was sitting at my New Philly church service, just about to start worship. And as soon as I was sitting down, I heard God say, and I didn't really hear God's voice that clear back then. But it was so clear to me uh, when he told me, Eunice, your people are your God. And I literally, I literally was like, what? And I was so thrown off by that because I was just about to start with the call to worship and everything. But something that he did tell me was, yeah, because you care more about what the person next to you talks about, about you than me, myself. And so you're putting people above me. And I kid you not, like, I was so scared that he said that, that all of my people-pleasing days were over, like, since then. And I have realized that a lot of the things in my past, like, um, and I'm going to share a little bit more about what I went through before Korea, um, had to do a lot with people and their praise and their... Um, just everything, the affirmations that I got from them. And I realized that those were actually uh, a God fix. Like they were taking the place of what God was trying to do in my life. Like he was trying to affirm me and he was trying to take place in shaping my identity in those things. But I realized that it was actually people that was doing that, not him. And so, um, yeah. And I, I was actually, because of that, I was overly outgoing. I was Uh, pretty much in people's faces. I was very uh, just shallow on the exterior. I had no character on the inside. And it was all because I was just striving to get uh, the joy and like the acceptance and everything from people. And I want to really ask if this is the same case for you. Like, do you go like how I did from relationship to relationship or from people to people? Or if you really thought about it, like, do you really care more about what people say about you than what God alone says about you? Think about that because I had to really think about it. I had to wrestle with that three years ago, and when he really confronted me, that became the journey of just, like, taking root after root of what people actually said about me, and what people were saying, you know, in the past, and, you know, even now, it's sometimes is a struggle, um, but it was just something that I constantly had to lay down, like this idolatry of, like, putting people first before God, and so, Uh, if you really think about it, all forms of idolatry come from the self. And so if you're drinking and you're in a relationship, whatever, it becomes about yourself. And if you're thinking about your appearance and your goals and your desires, it's all about you and what you want to do and your desires and what satiates you and all those things, right? But I want to remind you today that apart from God, we can do no thing. And this is something that Pastor John Michael said to us last week. Apart from God, we can do no thing. And we are actually nothing, Okay? That comes from John uh, chapter 15, verse 5. And so uh, what I mean by this is our thinking patterns, like our lifestyle habits, even the words, as in do we value our words higher than God's words? Or the way that we even have a relationship with God. I used to do this, but I used to manipulate and manage my relationship with God the way that I wanted it. I never gave him room to talk. When I prayed, it was only me talking. And when it was me wanting something, it was like literally me saying, God, I want this, I want that. It wasn't ever like, God, what do you want for my life? Like, God, like I never gave him a voice to be like, God, is this even right? The path that I'm on? Is this even the right choice? The decision that I just made today? Um, I never gave him these options. And that was something that was really hitting me, and as I was preparing the sermon, I was getting convicted all over again, and I really, like, I thought I had everything all together, like, I removed, like, all the idols in my life, like, especially before Korea, but the one thing that I could not get rid of, and that's a constant root, is just the idolatry of self, and I had to repent, like, I seriously realized that there are parts of my life, last night he was telling me this, where I I still can't give control to, and, like, areas, like, if I don't know, just in relationships or like areas of my future, like, yes, I'm living it for his glory and I'm living it for him. But I realized that if God were to speak into it, I don't know if I'd really trust him first. I feel like I would trust what I perceive of what he said first. And so things like that. It's very tricky and it's very subtle. And so I had to really ask myself, do I trust myself more than God? And do I uh, trust my own thoughts and my own perceptions and my own desires more than what God desires for me? And Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on, on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So are you trusting in him more than you're trusting in yourself? Like, are you leaning on him more than you are leaning on other things or even yourself? Like, are you really acknowledging him in every area of your life other than you acknowledging yourself? And guys, I really had to think about this. And last night, I realized that there are certain things that I still need to kind of get rid of. And so I just literally, I sat down and take a pause from just preparing the sermon and I had to repent. And I was like, God, I'm so sorry that I'm leaning on like breakthroughs, like in family more than more than leaning on you. I'm leaning on my work in Emmaus more than I'm leaning on you and you alone. I'm, I'm leaning on all these things, but I'm not leaning on you, God. I'm really sorry. And I really repented of these things. And this is something that I want to actually ask you guys, you know, as, as well. Like, is this something that is really stirring in your heart? Like, are there areas in your life where you feel like you're not leaning on him first and leaning on him first and foremost? And so uh, the next thing I want to talk about is why we should actually lay down our idols. And... Um, these four points that I'm about to give out are kind of like, you know, they're, they kind of all play against each other, uh, play with each other, but I'm still going to break it down for you guys, and especially if you're the type that needs a reason for why you have to do certain things, I'm going to go right here, okay? So number one, it hinders you from making a full commitment to the Lord. It hinders you from making a full commitment to the Lord, because you can't take your Christian walk seriously if you don't give it solely to God first. Like, how are you going to put your trust in God when you're too busy putting your trust in other things and other desires and other accolades or things like that? And in Matthew 6:24 it says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And earlier in Exodus 20 and verse 3, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. Guys, it is impossible to serve two gods. And it is impossible to serve more than one God. And God will not tolerate with idolatry. And he hates compromise. He hates mixture. He hates it when you choose him and then someone else or him and then something else. And ultimately, it's saying that he isn't good enough. And so number two, you will find out who you really are because you will no longer place your identity in those idols. Okay? And so... Many times, if your idolatry is lust and you're going from relationship to relationship, trying to find love, trying to find acceptance and affection and all those things, then ultimately your relationship, your identity is being shaped by that. And if your idolatry is even family, like if you're really close to, you know, what your family, like if you really value the words of your parents or your siblings or things like that, um... It becomes an idol if you don't give any room for God to speak in those areas. and immediately becomes, okay, well, I have to do this because my parents had to do that. Like, I'm going to become this person because my parents only said this. And it literally doesn't give any ear, any ear to what God is about to say to you. And so if that's the case, then your identity is being shaped by just solely being tied to your family. And... Um, this is again like something that I don't, you know, want you to take verbatim. I'm not saying to disobey your parents. Like if they're giving you loving identities, then by all means embrace that and things like that. But I'm, what I'm really saying is that are they the only voice that is speaking over your life or If they're not, then, you know, I really want to encourage you guys to just really challenge yourselves and just think, is God also in my life as well? Is it not just my mom or my dad or my older brother and sister or, you know, family member, but is God also speaking to me in this area as well? Okay, and also number three, God wants to bring you into a new season, but you need to get rid of the old one first, Okay. So he wants to give you new and good things and those desires in your heart and that relationship that you've always wanted with him, but you're too busy running away from or too busy being distant with. He wants to give you all those things, but he can't give it to you unless you get rid of the old that is in your heart. And in this case, the old that I'm talking about is actually idols. Okay. And this is actually a passage that, this passage I'm going to read to you is, um, I don't know if you guys remember, in my sermon two weeks ago, I mentioned that God woke me up in the middle of the night and gave me a verse. And this is actually the verse that I didn't realize he wanted me to use. It's from Luke 5, 36 to 38. It's actually a parable. I love this parable. Um, You don't have to turn there, but Luke 5, 36 to 38 is, no one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does... He will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. And if he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins w- wine will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. If you want to give him more, then you got to get rid of the old. And it's like almost like moving new furniture into your home. And this is something analogy that I constantly say over and over again. Um, Whenever you want to, you know, put in like a new bed or a new bookcase or something that you ordered, it can't go in there and it can't fit into that home unless if you take stuff out. Right. And so I feel like there's so many times in our lives where we ask God, like, God, give me this blessing. Give me this provision. Give me this breakthrough. And I feel like God's sitting in the heaven saying, well, get rid of that, move that out the way, or get this out of the way, rearrange that room, or, you know, you actually have a lot more junk than you think you do have, and then I'll give it to you, and then we're frustrated, because there's this tension of, like, God, I want this new season, but God is saying, no, let go of your old ways and your old season, and um, I, many times, guys, In Korea, there's so many times where I I complain. I'm like, God, why haven't you given this to me yet? And God's always pointing at my heart. And he's always like, well, did you get rid of what I asked you to get rid of? Like, are you even making space for me to speak into your life? Are you making space for me to rule over your life? Or are you giving that rule over to the idols that are resting in your hearts? Yeah, and after you do this, guys, I guarantee that you will flourish. Like your relationship with him and all those things and your personal life in general will get blessed. But um, it's kind of like that verse in John 15 too. Uh It says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. So God wants to cut off every idol so that you can be more fruitful, so you can flourish, you can prosper, and ultimately you can be prepared for this new season that he's about to call you into. And many of you guys... I know there's like a good number of like one years and four years here, but some of you guys came here uh, just maybe about like a month ago, a month or two ago, and it's like a new season. It's like a new thing, new country, new food, new language, new cultural barriers, whatever it is. There are new things that are going on, but um, I feel like, you know, this is how I am, but whenever there's, like, a new thing, uh, that's happening in my life, I always cry out for a new season in my spiritual life as well, like, I don't know, like, something, like, with, like, changing your environment, or changing, uh, what you've always seen, like, when I get removed from that, and I have, like, a new environment, new home, or new ministry, or new people around me, I always want the same for my relationship with God, I always cry out for some kind of newness, and, um, Yeah, I think uh, the last point that the reason why we should lay down our idols is simply (laughs) no idol can stand a chance with our God. And um, it's even in the Bible that says that God, you know, states that he will have no other gods that are before him. But if you really got this in your minds, guys, like no idol stands a chance before him. No idol, nothing. But isn't it so ironic how we constantly go back and choose those very idols? Like it even says in the Word, like I will not deal with idolatry. I will not tolerate this or that. But... It, I just find it like funny, like you know, even for myself, I constantly find myself reclining back to those old ways, reclining back to those old ways of thinking, like just patterns and like, just lifestyle habits and things like that. When I clearly know that God detests them, when I clearly know that God does not want me to be dealing with those things, right? And so you don't have to turn with me, but uh, the second passage that I want us to mainly focus on is, Uh, From 1 Samuel, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. I do want you to write down, though, because for reference. um, I'm going to focus on the story of the idol named Dagon, D-A-G-O-N, who was actually the chief god of the Philistines. Uh, He was known for his, uh, you know, sending rain and assuring, like, a bountiful harvest and, like, all those things, right? Um, But it was basically the story is the idol Dagon, Versus the Israelites, uh, the Ark of God, okay? And so if you're there, I'm going to start reading. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then they carried the Ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon, fallen on his face on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him back in his place. But the following morning, when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and his hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. And that is why to this day, neither the priests of Dagon nor any others who enter Dagon's temple at Ashdod step on the threshold. So after the Philistines had defeated the Israelites in battle, they basically took their Ark of God because back then, like for them, uh, the more gods that they had, the more secure that they felt. And so the more the merrier, right? And so they took him and can you imagine the Philistines excitement? It's like they're celebrating and then they go back to sleep and then they're trying to celebrate again the next day only to find that their, their God like Dagon was felt, he felt prostrate before the Lord, right? Before the Ark of God. And, uh, during this time, it was, I mean, I can't imagine at this point, I feel like they're making up, like, every excuse, you know, like, did we prop him up okay, or was there, like, an earthquake or something that shook, or uh, did something get in the way for him to be like that? And in that moment, I feel like God could have just told them, you know, given them a chance to think about, uh, could this be an act of God? Uh, do you think that, yeah, maybe maybe God wants us to lay this down, or maybe God wants us to, you know, just... Uh, admit that the Ark of God is actually the one true God, right? And there was like I, I, I really believe this, guys. When I read this passage, I believe there was a moment for them where they had a choice of whether to prop it back up or to leave it down and just to go along with the Ark of God, right? And but I mean, honestly, they they don't listen. They don't get it. So they prop the idol back up. And then the next morning, they find that even it was in an even worse state than it was before. Its hands and its heads were cut off because it broke the threshold. But for them, they still didn't get it. And they actually declared that the threshold is now a holy place. And that's like a sacred object, right? And if you read later in the passage, it actually says that, um, like, they didn't listen. So the Lord's hand was heavy upon them. And the Lord gave them tumors you know, at the very end. But the Ark of God actually represents the presence of God for those, you know, you don't know. And um, two lessons I want to draw from just this passage alone is, number one, you got to get it the first time, okay? So get it the first time. Before the Philistines set Dagon right back up, they had a choice to either leave him down and confess that the Lord is only God, or to revert back to their old ways by propping it back up. And so, uh, we're kind of like the Philistines sometimes where uh, we naturally just recline back to our old ways. And because of, like, its complacent, complacency, comfortability, and familiarity, uh, we always naturally kind of recline back if we don't choose God and if we choose the idols, right? And ultimately, we're really lazy and we're fearful, guys, because if you make that decision to really fully commit with the Lord, that means that you can never go back to those old ways again. That means you can never think about that old thought again. You can never go back to that person again. You can never go back to that old way again or the familiar ways or that bondage or that sin or those things. And because we're so fearful of making this decision, we don't follow through because of our own laziness or because of our own fear and so my challenge to you to today is uh don't wait for another sign don't wait for a second like signal or a hint from god but really uh learn it the first time okay uh the second point is to make a decision and to follow through with it Okay, and these Philistines had a choice to make a decision and to give up their old ways, but unfortunately, they didn't humble themselves by doing so. But uh, they continued, and um, yeah, but for them, like yeah, they were given a choice, but you know, ultimately, they didn't choose it, right? And even if they were, like, I don't even know, they would have fallen through with it because they were so like in deception and they were so in this resistance to admit that it was maybe it was really the Ark of the Lord, right? And so, if you feel like God is uh, confronting you guys with certain idols in your life, in your areas, people, relationships, man-made, man-made desires uh, in your own life, then I really believe that he is calling you guys to lay them down today. And so not just to lay them down, but to follow through and laying them down, meaning don't prop these idols back up if God had knocked them down himself. Do you know what I'm saying? So every time if he does you a favor and he makes a decision for you, he draws the lines and he makes it clear, hey, I don't want you to be doing this thing. I don't want you to be with this person. I don't want you to, you know, live this kind of lifestyle or this habit. And he makes it clear for you, don't bring it back up. And don't go back to those old ways. And don't be like, no, no, that's probably not even it. Like, you know, he's, God's just probably, you know, just joking or something. You know, right? Right but I really believe that he wants you to lay it down because you cannot bring these things into the new season that he is calling you to, okay? And just as the passage in Luke, <clears throat> where you can't pour new wine into old wine skin, some of us are holding old ways and desires in one hand, but opening up our other hand and expecting, you know, God to bless us and give us this, give us that, right? And there's this tension of, like, the unknown and the things that you want, but the things that you're familiar with and the things that you can't let go of and um I kinda want um tell you i want to end by telling you this story it's uh actually pretty relevant to this passage um, yeah, wow, I haven't shared this in a while, okay, so uh growing up. Like, you know, I think, I was always introduced to guys at a pretty young age. Uh, I didn't even know what guys were. To be honest, I grew up with all guys, uh, except for my sister. In my neighborhood, in my hometown, like I told you before, they're only, like, Caucasians and Afri- African Americans. And then, like, there was my church. And in that church, all guys. Like, older brothers, who I call oppa, and, like, even just peers. And then, like, younger, like, you know, uh, younger guys, right? That are my friends. And then I have my brother, too, but... Like, I never thought, uh, I never even knew what they were, you know, I I thought they were just whatever, you know, I thought we were the same, like, I actually, I think it's a miracle, like, I can't even believe I didn't feel anything, but I felt no attraction or anything, you know, but uh, there was like this one time, like, at this retreat in the seventh grade, where like it was like a joint retreat with i live in I live in Virginia, so it was like Northern Virginia and then Delaware and then Maryland and then Southern Virginia and like uh, these like East coast cities and we went on a joint retreat, and this was like one of my first retreats and like I just get introduced. Uh, to guys in a way where two of my close guy friends, they told me they liked me. And then this guy from Southern Virginia, and then this guy from Maryland, all at the same time And my 12 year old heart was just like, oh my gosh. And I had no idea what this, you know, I had no idea what that even was. Like I had no idea. Like I was like, what? And then the guy that I just met on that first day of the retreat asked me out like, hey, do you want to be my girlfriend? And then, and then I literally three days passed and I was like, yes. And I, and I literally, we ended up dating. And out of all those guys, I ended up dating that one. Right. That lasted for two months. Uh, I broke up with him through email. Never do that again. But um, it was it was an elementary relationship. But I kid you not, during that time, guys, it really started this uh, terrible, terrible journey. Uh, now I can say it's terrible of just just men, like guys, in my life, and just me seeking like love and acceptance from them because um, I. I think the, the problem was that I was receiving love and affirmation from them even before I even knew how to receive it from God. And I had even, like, during that time in middle school, I had, like, someone who liked me all throughout middle school, and the whole time, like, on AIM, AOL Instant Messenger back then, would always say, like, I love you, Eunice, I love you, I love you. I was like, you're freaking me out. I'm only 12 years old. I'm turning 13. Like, I don't even know what love is. And he was, and he was like, two years older, and I was like, no, I love you. And so I had, like, I, w- I was actually really overwhelmed. I had no idea like, what it really meant, you know, like, what love meant, and this was even before God was able to tell me that he loves me, right, and so ever since then, like, I'm on this journey of just, like, guys after guys, uh, it was really bad, it was, you know, in Maryland, uh, they actually, the group of, a conglomerate of these guys in a youth group, uh, were actually, uh, at this church that my uncle served at, you know, as a leader, and he started hearing, like, terrible rumors about me and saying, like, you know, this girl in Richmond, like, this girl in Virginia, like, who's, like, dating around all over. You know, whatever. She's, like, a uh, Like, gullet is, like, a rag. Like, you know, she's being used, like, everywhere to every guy. And, like, it was just really, really bad. And then to top it off... Um, you know, like, I just, I was pretty outgoing. And so I gained a lot of popularity among my friends. Um, I, you know, I was always like the nice one. I was always like someone who was really nice and like always, you know, giving our heart, you know, to other people and things like that. And like I was, because I was so outgoing and very sociable, I gained a lot of popularity from my friends. And so then I had like guys telling me, the guys I dated telling me like, you know, who I am. And then I had People tell me, you know, who I am, and, like, Eunice, you're so this, like, you're so that, and things like that, but, and then, like, just, like, a side note, that was pretty severe side note, I was obsessed with uh, scary movies, you know, and you may think it's, like, a joke, and this is something that I don't really share that often, but uh, I was actually pretty, I was introduced to that to a very young age, too, Uh, I don't know if you guys know the movie in the 90s called Scream, Anybody know with like that mask and the phone till this day? I can't even I can't even look at the mask, but I watched it. I think when I was like in the third grade or something and it literally traumatized me and my brother, like he had to say the Lord's Prayer every night before he went to sleep. He was like in kindergarten, I think he was like two, three years younger than me. And then he would literally just, like, you know... And if you know my brother, like, I mean... Okay, my brother's probably going to kill me because he's probably going to hear this message. But, um yeah, just, like, you know, he would have to say the Lord's Prayer. Like, I just got traumatized, and I couldn't even... Take anything with that mask and then they started coming out on Halloween days and stuff like that. But yeah, but ever since then, like just that thrill and that excitement because I thought life was pretty boring and I lived in a very boring place. It all came from watching scary movies. So every movie in the 90s or in the early 2000s, I probably watched. And if I didn't watch it, it's because I didn't think it was scary enough. And so I would always just like, I would just go at it, you know, and I, and It was really bad, but uh, I would watch a lot of scary movies because whoever I was dating, like, you know, a scary scene pops up, you lean on the shoulder, like, you know, brings intimacy and, like, does those things. Like, really thinking back on it, like, I really feel like a lot of the reasons why I chose those movies is really to, you know, to... Fast-paced intimacy between me and my boyfriends and stuff like that—terrible, terrible, terrible reason—and uh, so, <clears throat> yeah. Fast-forward to high school and to all those things, guys. Like this, just got like worse. Like scary movies, guys. Like people, it just got worse and worse, and like it just—it got to the point where. Um, Uh, my personality started like changing. I was known as someone who was completely like timid and like I would have people step all over me and like you know my expression like I wouldn't even like get angry because I didn't want them to get angry at me and like I wanted to keep my reputation and like I had like guys after guys like just like dating them and flings. I can't even count like you know flings wise but like I, I just had so many of that and then I had all this things with, like, scary movies, and the thing about scary movies is that I started developing this, uh, medical, like, I think it was, like, medical paranoia, to be honest. Uh, it got really bad to the point where, uh, like, I, I came to Korea through Pastor Joe Michael, who, you know, 2008, my junior year, and even when I was, like, walking around in the streets, like, I would cling on to railroads like at the subway station because I thought someone pushed me off because I saw like a movie of someone jumping in front of it. Uh I had a I had a sniper, the DC sniper shooting. I don't know if you guys remember but uh I lived close to that area. So they told me I had to you have to walk in zigzag lines so that they don't get you when they point at you. So I would walk in zigzag lines like all around, like on the way to school, I would walk in zigzag lines. i would bring that to Korea and I walk in zigzag lines to Korea. Like it was so I was so paranoid, I couldn't even read the news, guys, because I thought everything I read would happen to me. And if my dad came home 10 minutes later than he usually would, I'll call him right away. Like, what are you doing? Where are you? Because I live in a pretty dangerous neighborhood. And so, like, literally, I was so paranoid. Everything I watched, I thought it was going to happen to me. And so like, it just started taking over my life, like, all these idols, like, it just started taking over my life, and finally, when Pastor John Michael came to my large group, and he was like, does anyone want to come to serve at my orphanage ministry, and I was like, yeah, I'll do it, two months, right, and um, I fell in love with New Philadelphia Church when I came here, and um, I was at this church where I, where I was introduced to this, uh, this idea of healing and deliverance, right, and it's, funny because pastor john michael is actually the leader of that ministry now but like it was like healing it was healing and deliverance and um basically all the bondages and all the sins and the things that you deal with the trauma like you get healed and then you get delivered from them so you don't have to live with them forever right and um at that time i was in like a really heavy uh I call it, it's we call it a soul tie. A soul tie is when you're spiritually, mentally, physically and emotionally yoked to somebody outside of the covenant of marriage. And so um I was really 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 like head over heels over this one guy for like years. And uh it was really bad to the point where I think I was, like, obsessing. Like, I was on his Facebook 24-7. Any break I got from the orphanage, I was on his Facebook. And I was fearing, and I got repetitive dreams of him, like, dating another girl. Like, it was really bad. And I wanted to just let go of that and get complete, like, freedom from that. So I actually ended up getting it the day before I left for Korea. And um, as I was getting the session, like, I was being set free from – uh, all these other things, and I was telling Pastor Christian, who led my session, like, I think uh, I'm suffering from paranoia. And, um, and he was like, well, where do you think this is coming from? And, and I heard him say, uh, and, and I heard God say, like, um, it's from scary movies. It's from all those movies. And then I, I literally cringed, guys, when I had to admit that it was scary movies, but I was like, I think it's from watching scary movies, and I, I cringed because that means I can't watch them anymore, and, uh, it really sucked, like, I, I miss, you know, I love that thrill of getting scared, and of, like, getting, you know, just, like, entertained, and so, um, yeah, I cringed, but you know, he made me like, like he's like, I don't want you to watch any more scary movies anymore. So I was like, okay, you know, that's done. And then even like the soul tie with, you know, that guy, like that was done. You know, like everything. I felt free. And when I went back home, I was finishing off my, uh, my, my college life, like my senior year. And um, I loved Korea so much that I, I, like, seriously, I pledged, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna go uh, apply to grad school but I'm going to just go straight back to Korea and teach English just for experience and to get involved in the church and things like that. But I kid you not, guys, it was uh, senior year, and uh, I had stepped down from all my ministry uh, responsibilities. And at the time, like, uh, it was just like the Philistines. Like, I didn't really get my lesson the first time, and I ended up actually falling even harder than I did the first time. And, um, just everything. Like I started getting more attention from guys again. I started going like fling after fling in college years. I mean, in that senior year and, um, like just people, like everything that they would say, everything set free from. And then I started getting like demonic nightmares of like demons chasing me and like choking me. And if you don't know what a demon looks like, oh my gosh, like I've had so many, like seriously, demonic like uh spirits and like a lot of it was just so much oppression and i was even in a a worse state than i was the first time you know just like the daggone idol that like his head and his hands fell off the second time like i didn't get it and i literally went right back to my old ways and um it just yeah it was it was pretty bad and um like and out of all the guys that i actually ended up having flings with i actually ended up dating one of my closest friends and um, he was actually my best friend's ex, and so that made everything a lot peachier. Uh, it was very bad, and the the argument that I had was that a year and a half had passed, and so I thought that was enough time to give to my best friend, uh, but that definitely severed the relationship, and all of our friends talked crap about us, and, um, but I didn't care because I had him, so it was really bad. But long story short, uh, God tells me through a dream to go go back to Korea. So um, that was like May of 2009. December, I go back to Korea, and I'm still dating this guy. And um, lo and behold, like God doesn't even give me a month in Korea. And he already makes very clear by giving me a vision. And I don't even get visions back then of just, you know, me and him like in the waters. And then slowly our hands are just like drifting apart. And then I'm rising higher and then he's just staying there and then uh, this was during a prayer meeting and then I heard God say like I think you need to break up with him and so you know I took that and uh I mutually it was a mutual thing but I ended up uh breaking up with him and I wanted to get back to God I was in the worst state that I've ever been in in my spiritual walk then just like completely just immersed in everything that this idolatry that you know has put me through but um I made a I made a decision. And I made a decision that I've never made before. And uh, that day, I still remember January 2010, I I, like promised to God, I was like, God, I want to go back to you and I want to give my life back to you. But I don't know if my heart, I don't even have a heart left after all the guys that I've dated and after everything I put myself into. So I don't know if I can do that, but I'm not going to date guys for a year and I'm not, I'm not going to do it for a year, and I'm going to give my life solely to you. And um, guys, I, I never really, you know, struggled with alcoholism or anything like that, but it's kind of like an alcoholic uh, vowing to be sober for a whole year. Like, that's how hard it was for me, because ever since that one time at that retreat in the sixth grade, I've never been single my entire life. And if I was single, I was uh, having a thing with someone. If I wasn't having a thing with someone, I was thinking about someone. And if I wasn't thinking about someone, I was daydreaming about someone that didn't exist. And so it was just a terrible, 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 like, I think more than breaking up physically with guys, I think this this right here and this right here was even harder to even catch up, like, during that time. And so it was, like... That year was like a massive like healing. Like I felt like I was in spiritual ER, like just massive, massive healing. Like I felt like God was really redeeming my identity. Like he was really like, you know, restoring the things that I had lost when I had given my my acceptance and my worth to people, my worth to like my boyfriends, my worth to even movies and things like that. But you know, it all started with that decision. And it all started with something that I never was able to do. And just as much as it was hard to make that decision, it was almost even harder to follow through. And guys, I'm not saying that it was perfect. Like, you know, after January, there are definitely moments where, you know, I thought that guy was cute, like this guy was, you know, whatever, and, you know, things like that. But it was nothing uh, compared to what I used to do before. And so, like, during that time... You know, God didn't just sit there and watch me come back to him, like, crawl back to me now. Like, he didn't sit there and watch me do that. But he honored the decisions that I made for him because ultimately I I chose him first above anything else for once in my life. And through that, I was able to find who I really was. Like, through that, I was able to flourish and prosper in my walk with him. And through that, I was completely just my heart was just like revamped, like reformed, like rebirthed. And um, everything like that I put my identity in and all the idolatry that was in my life, like God really restored and put himself first in my life again. And guys, it's one of the best feelings to know like who you really are in Christ. You know, before it was always, you know, I was someone else because of somebody else. But like I kid you not, like my personality back then, I, I think is nothing compared to Uh, what it is now. And, like, what Pastor John Michael said last week, I was definitely not somebody you wanted to follow. Like, you know, looking at my life in college, I wouldn't recommend it to other people. But, you know, now, like, being at this place, like, like, after laying down all those idols and everything that got in the way between me and him, it's one of the most satisfying, the most greatest feelings to know that, man, I got rid of this person and that thing and just whatever that's bad and all those things and i just have me and god now and it's i can't even put it into words like it's one of them i just feel i feel elated like every time i talk about it or i think about it and um you know my question to you to to you today is this what exactly are you putting your trust what exactly are you putting your worth and your value into and if it's not god guys then that's the idol that God, I feel like, is nudging and pushing, is pointing his finger at to you today, okay? And so for some of you, it might already be happening right now, you know, ever since, like, maybe you're coming into Mayus, like, there are certain things, you're like, God, I want to pursue you, but I know that there's this thing I need to let go of, or God, I want to, like, I'm all about you, but, but there is this other thing, you know, like, this other thing, this other thing, and things like that, but I really feel like God is nudging it, and he's really bringing it forth, and he's really confronting things in your life that are getting in the way between you and him. And I kid you not, guys, when you guys make this decision to really follow after him and to put him first, to put him first, then everything else pales in comparison. And I I know that making a decision might be easier for some people, But following through is the hardest part. Both are hard. You know, some people really got to follow through with what they make a decision on, but they just don't make that decision. You know, things like that. But I really uh, believe that there are certain things in your life and certain areas and people and things in your life that are idols in your heart that God is calling you to lay down tonight. Okay? Yeah, I want you guys to just bow your heads.